yeah, we're, we're here talking about Narcissus, which is my, um, my new novella, and that's being released May 2nd from Shortwave Publishing. Essentially, it's about four young Americans that are vacationing in Mykonos, Greece, and they kind of catch wind of a, um, a local legend or a suspicion that the reflecting pool by which the demigod Narcissus had once wasted away in self-obsession. And so they think they know the location to this. You know, something horrific's happened years prior um, in relation to this this spot. And they say, hey, let's go check it out. Well, they find it. Um, and, and some not so great things happen to them, you know, as a result. Uh, they come to find their reflections have been possessed. So, you know, throughout the book, they're, they're kind of being pursued by their own reflections. How long can one person survive? Um, without looking at their own reflection, you know, it's, it's quite impossible, but anything that can reflect your image, you know, through that reflection, your reflection can get you. I'm going to start out. Usually I don't really go into, I'm not a reviewer anymore. I used to review books. I used to say this worked well, this didn't work well. I don't really like to do that anymore. Um, I really just want to talk about, talk about books that I want to talk about. And so you being here means I enjoyed this book. So (laughs) I'll start out by saying, I, when I first heard about it on like Twitter and stuff, the a the the synopsis or whatever I was reading about it, I was like, "Ooh, this is like it hooked me in quickly." And that cover is beautiful. So, um, yeah, can we start out by talking about the cover because it is gorgeous? Yeah, yeah. So, so Alan, uh, who owns Shortwave, Alan Lestifka. Ho- hopefully, I didn't butcher his name too much there. But uh, he, he was a graphic designer. He still is, uh, you know, has been for many years. So, you know, he takes a lot of pride in, in the artwork that goes into his publications and everything through shortwave and the formatting and everything. So that's kind of the forte of his position. He's expressed how much he loves that. And you can really tell through the design work he does. And, and that's one thing that really drew me to shortwave initially. You know, um, I, I do judge a book by its cover. <laughs> in many cases, it makes all the difference. You know, it, it's really... Um, eye grabbing and and does its job quite well uh, all the, the stuff he puts out so i was really pleased when he first presented that and um i thought he really captured the the whole essence of the book you know and that was the original um kind of draft it, it was it was really when he first reached out to me he, he showed me that as a part of that initial email hey i'd i'd love to um uh acquire this book you know if if, if you're interested in, and by the way, you know, as I was reading it, I did this mock-up. I was like, well, that's really awesome. That, and that was a good wow. sign for me that he just took the initiative to go ahead and do that. It showed he was really invested in it already right off the bat. And that, that just spoke volumes to me. So, um, yeah, you know, so I, I love it. <laughs> Coloring and everything of it. It's yeah, it's really cool. So it's got a lot of, yeah, I can, I'm glad. Well, it's yeah. Um, uh, two thoughts about that. Um, first of all, if he went that far just before even like acquiring the book, you know, you're probably working with someone who believes in the project. So that's got to be really yes. comforting. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then, man, it's just really evocative. And it's like, um, I don't think it's easy all the time for a story to have like a single image that could be so representative of it. So sure. I think that this this really really hits the nail on the head yeah absolutely um, so great because um like i think a lot of promotion now because it used to be like oh you're looking at amazon you're looking at a tiny little thumbnail and you can't see what's going on but i think a lot of promotion now is very visual with like tiktok mm-hmm. and, and instagram and stuff like that so having an, a, an invocative cover a cover that like makes you stop and and like, think what's going on here has got to be really helpful. Yes, absolutely. And I think definitely the coloring he used, sort of that hot pinkish color, you know, like you just mentioned, you know, in these small thumbnails, you know, that are scrolling by on the screen, it, it kind of grabs your eye. The, the coloring means everything. And from a marketing uh, perspective, it, it it makes sense, you know, the, the whole design, coloring, everything. So, yeah, it, it works. Yeah. I'm happy with it. It's a great start. I figured it made sense to start about like the thing that got me into it. Like initially was looking yeah. at that cover. Cause it's like, it's even one of those books and maybe I'm just like, really, I really enjoyed it so much that I'm feeling, you know, kind of like high on this book, but like you could, I could see like just wanting it for the cover and not being as, yeah. as interested in it. <laughs> like I just want to display this somewhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, scrap the inside. <laughs> 
No, it's I know what you mean. I, I like it. Yeah, it's good. It's very good. Um, I'm looking forward to. I did. Uh, I ordered one, so I'm looking forward to having it. Usually, like if I get a print copy before um, I'm talking to the author, it'll be sitting up here somewhere. So it's like lingering in the background. Yeah. So, but I'm looking forward to when mine arrives. Cool. Um, the title. I got corrected by my girlfriend that I was saying it wrong. So can I hear you say the title? Uh, Narcissus. Okay, cool. I was saying it wrong. I was <laughs> emphasizing the wrong thing. So um, what uh, what was the inspiration for this story? Because obviously it ties into like, you know, um, it, it, real mythology and stuff, but like adapted into a, a modern day story. So where, where did this come from? Yeah. I, so with any story, anything I write, I, I try to come up with something completely original that I've never come across before. And I was thinking, you know, the horror world needs sort of a new um, antagonist, uh, something completely original and different. And, you know, I'm, I'm toying around with ideas and I'm in the, the car driving and uh, Marilyn Manson comes on the radio, um, his song Deep Six. So, you know, and I kind of hate to even bring this guy up with all the allegations against him and everything. But, you know, <laughs> there was a line in the song. Uh, it said, you want to know what Zeus said to Narcissus, you better watch yourself. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool. You know, like you better watch yourself. So I kind of toyed around with that in my head. You know, what if you did have to watch yourself, your own reflection? How do you evade that? How long can you evade that? Really, that's just inevitable. Eventually, your own reflection is going to be cast as something. You know, what if you're, you're constantly having to watch your back and I how how do you go about your days so i kind of spun off of that and said you know i think i could develop this into a story and it started out as kind of a short story and i kind of worked it a little more and i'll say this can probably be a novella you know so kind of went from there but that's kind of the uh the origin of it i think origins of story because like if you ever asked me to guess I, obviously it never would have been like oh he was obviously listening to a Marilyn Manson song yeah. but <laughs> that brings up a great point I was listening to Stephen Graham Jones talk about uh his book um my heart is a chainsaw mm-hmm. and he was talking about what kind of got the ball rolling on his mind thinking about the story originally and was like he was reading the virgin suicides and he liked the kind of style that it was told in. And so he was like, I could do this, but with murder or whatever. So obviously I'm getting that story a little bit wrong, but like no one would read my heart as a chainsaw and think, Oh, obviously this is like echoes of the virgin suicide. So I love hearing like those um, kind of unexpected origin stories for, for, for story ideas. Yeah. Then did you have to dive in and do some research or were you already kind of familiar with like that kind of base? No, I was, yeah, I was kind of familiar with the whole myth and everything and just kind of played off of that. And, uh, you know, obviously there were some aspects of it and I don't want to give anything away, but in the book I kind of modernized it, you know, um, as to, you know, what was happening to these people and everything. And uh, yeah, so, so I, I adapted it to the book a little bit. So not all that rings true <laughs> with the original myth, but um yeah, I knew enough about it to where I could kind of, you know, toy with that and, and go where I needed to go with it. But I always loved, you know, when I was younger, Greek mythology and everything. So I always kind of gravitated toward that stuff. And yeah, so I enjoyed it. Yeah. No, I, I think it was, I would think it was executed well. And then obviously was that the the impulse for, so we haven't really talked about like much of the structure of the story, but it's a handful of college kids going on vacation in Greece um, and that's kind of where everything goes down. So I'm assuming that the setting is based on we're using this kind of story. So this is where it makes sense to go. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, you know, and I, I, I picked Mykonos and, um, I don't know if that's historically accurate or, you know, it, I didn't, to be honest, I did do a little research on that, you know, Hey, where was, where was this, you know, where would this most likely take place? So I kind of felt like that was a good location. Um, but yeah, so, so that was kind of my justification for having it there. They kind of need to be where that whole myth, that whole legend originated. So obviously they kind of stumble upon that location and and it kind of spins out of control from there. (laughs) Um, and then, so the general idea is, all right, so I am not. I'm as worried about spoilers as you want to be. So like, um, however, however 
gently we need to dance around this. But the general idea is like there's they they come across this um, kind of wild story about um, this. If you can find this pool, like these this it's almost like an urban legend that something happened here a long time ago and they want to see it because like, it's a cool thing that was like this crazy thing that happened in the past. So, mm-hmm. um, never, I'm assuming never thinking that anything would, any ha- damage would come to them. And then they find the place. And, and the general idea is like you were saying before, um, because of what went down, you have to avoid your shadow or not your shadow, your reflection or else you could, you know, terrible, terrible things are going to happen to you. Right. I, I got that more or less correct. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so um, this leads to like, I, and I, and I, I'm, I'm interested to hear what um, feedback you've gotten about like, Oh, this, this reminds me of this thing. This reminds me of the thing. Cause like now we're talking about, there's some like horror tropes that are, are mm-hmm. either tangential or like that this kind of fits into with like the whole idea of, um, being marked for like an inescapable doom kind of thing or mm-hmm. uh, like the clocks ticking or like, like a being pursued by something um, kind of tirelessly. So yeah. um, is that something you're into? Because, oh, I mean, I feel like maybe the, the structure of the story made you make this decision, but like, is it something that you are a fan of in general? It is. Yeah. So, so I, I Personally, I relate it to Final Destination, probably first and foremost of, of anything. Um, and I haven't gotten any feedback, honestly, from anybody saying, hey, this reminds me of X, Y, or Z. But when I've mentioned Final Destination, they're like, ah, yeah, I do see that. You know, I, So I, that's kind of, to me, what it, what it probably most closely relates to. That as well as, you know, maybe a mix of Candyman and Oculus. I'm thinking about films, okay. you know, specifically. I, I'm, right. I'm, child of cinema so i I'd like all my mind always just goes straight to film and honestly when i was writing this i was thinking um cinemagraphically you know like i try to picture this as a movie as i'm writing it so you know hey fingers crossed one day that I'll actually happen. um but yeah so I, I would think probably you know final destination kind of candy man you know that's that's kind of what yeah um, it's like, such a interesting like storytelling um thing too because um like with final destination, they figure out because of this, now this bad thing's going to happen to us. And it's like race against the clock to figure out how do we stop it? How do we cheat the, you know, the rules yeah. or whatever. Um, the other one that comes to mind is it follows, which kind of has a built in escape kind of mechanism in it. I've heard of the movie and I, it's on my list that I have yet to see it. You are actually the second person to mention that it follows. Yeah, it just and I will say, I need to see it. <laughs> you, it's a great, it's great, and it's like, I, I once you watch it, you'll be like, oh, I totally get why people see this because yeah. like there's yeah. this creep, this creeping kind of unstoppable um, consequence. Mm-hmm. Um, for for the re- for the listeners or viewers, um, I will say that it's not like when I was reading the story, I was thinking this is like this. It was when I was done reading the story that I was like, oh, these mechanics also kind of happen in these other types of stories. So like, I love that type of thing. So I don't want it to sound like, Oh, he's writing this. It was, it was like, he wrote this great story. It reminds me there's also these other stories that, that do that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally, I I totally know what you mean. And, and even after writing it, I started finding similarities and maybe it's stuff that resides in the subconscious, you know, and and I don't realize until I'm done. I, in another movie, I haven't seen a smile, but, so smile and it follows oh, yeah. on my list, but that's another one. I think that probably kind of carries the same, you know, sort of trope um, that this, I, I don't know from what I, I, I haven't seen it. Like I said, and from what I gather is sort of this curse that follows these people, you know, you see the smile, yeah. you, you die. So, um, yeah, I want to see that one, but it's like, mm, I got to just see it when the, like when the it's daytime or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, a um, how about uh, the ring? Yes, seven days. Because yeah. the ring is like yep. you literally watch something, and then like you know the bad thing is going to happen. So I would say it's kind of like 
it's got it's in good this story is in good company with like some of the really scariest shit out there so um i think that's a good thing for you <laughs> yeah it, it, uh, there's something just terrifying you know that uh, uh, a ticking clock is placed on you and it's just seemingly inescapable you know i i love that sort of thing i mean it really amps up the tension it, it, it's it provides a good story so yeah I'll, I'll let the readers, you know, I'll let the readers be the judge, you know, about it. hopefully I'll, I'll pull it off. It's, you know. <laughs> no, I, I think you very much did. And um, there's something about that. The other one that just came to mind is a movie called Velvet Buzzsaw, um, mm. which I'm sure not many people have seen. It came out in Netflix, but like basically like um, in that one, a bunch of like art, it's like in the art world and like um, someone discovers this guy dies and they discover he had all these paintings and then these painting paintings become like super popular and sell for a lot of money. And anybody who profits off of this guy's dead guy's paintings like dies horribly. So it's like, there's Hmm. like a, a transgression and a consequence kind of situation, um, in that one too. So, um, I really love that setup though. Yeah. Um, so, and you, you pull it off well, uh, uh, with, um, just one of the creepiest moments where it's it's toward the very beginning and um they make it to the this place and like things are starting to feel a little off or weird or not right and one of the characters just says it smiled and oh man like that one got me i was like because it's one of those situations where like as a reader you can see it and and like it's that whole like reality isn't acting the way it's supposed to. And like it, there's that feeling of tonal total vulnerability. If like, if you can't trust reality, like what chance do you have of like being safe? I think is kind of the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really liked the, the creepiness of, of, of the, of the type of story that this ends up being. I, all right. I'm going to indulge myself with this next question because it was a dumb idea that I had. I was talking to my girlfriend about this book and I was like, well, what about this? And she, and I'm like, that's dumb though. And she's like, no, that's a great question. (laughs) So the general idea of the story is I'll tell you a little story. So I read this book and then, you know, a couple days later or whatever, I was watching, you know, random TV show with, um, with my girlfriend and it happened to be what we do in the shadows. So it's a vampire story. Okay. And I thought to myself, wait, they don't have reflections. So like, <laughs> did you see where I'm going with this? Did that yeah, ever yeah. occur to you that like, that would be a cheat to get around the reflection right. thing or, or <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, the worlds would have to merge for vampires to it. But I guess if narcissists exist, vampires exist. They're all kind of folklore and mythology and everything. So <laughs> It's, it's a high possibility. They'd have to go seek out a vampire and, and get infected by a vampire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and then there, my mind went to like, um, if I were the one writing this and somehow that became part of the story. Yeah. Like I would find a way to make that a worse outcome <laughs> than like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then like, if well, they just fun. tried to, that's you know, avoid their, <laughs> <laughs> So that was my dumb little mental indulgence. Yeah, no, like, man, oh, it's, it's definitely something I hadn't even thought about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm the I'm hopefully the first one to uh, to to think of that. So you're the first, um, man. I, I I haven't even thought about that one. So yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so cool. And then I, I have to indulge myself a little bit. Uh, and I don't know. Have you ever read the book Raw Shark Texts? I haven't. I, I, th- I think you mentioned that the other day in, yeah. in our email correspondence and I, I had to look it up. I, you know, I, and now it's on my list to read. <laughs> so no, I haven't read it though. So I'm not familiar. So I'm going to diverge a little bit and I'm not, I'm not trying to like, not, I'm not trying to talk about any other, a bunch of other stuff, but this is like my nerd indulgence moment. Because no, you're good. Yeah, yeah. This, this, this book here. And then every book on this shelf right here for people who are watching the video is a copy of that book. And um, basically really quickly, um, the part of the book that matters to me is that, um, the main character is one of the big parts of the book is that he's, he's being pursued by a conceptual shark. So hmm. it's not an actual physical shark in water. It's like a conceptual shark. <laughs> and, um, 
it eats memories. And if it eats enough memories, you're basically, that's it for you. And so um, part of the book takes place on an Island in Greece and, and um, without spoiling too much of it, like there was something in your book that reminded me of this in a way where I was like, if this is an intentional reference, that's fucking like stellar. If it's not an intentional <laughs> reference, like I'm just fanboying too hard. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't intentional. But now I need to go read the book, and, and yeah, I'll come back and say, "Yeah, I just I kidding. It was intentional." Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> it, I wasn't familiar with the book when you mentioned it, but yeah, looking it up, I was like, you know, "This one's going on my list." But no, that's that's cool though. Um, I feel like I'm just giving you a bunch of homework, and that no, you're not- good. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so in writing this, so, so this is the first thing I'm reading from you. Um, and I believe this is your, you've had short stories published in the past, but this is your first novella slash novel situation. Okay. Um, what, uh, can we just kind of dial it back and and talk about like how you got started writing and stuff or, or things that, uh, are writing, writing inspirations for you maybe? So, man, I started writing, you know, at an early age, you know, when I was young and I would write these little mini books, you know, staple notebook paper and stuff and read them to my aunt when she'd stop by and visit. (laughs) So, you know, just I I just wrote for fun. I I loved it. You know, I would enter the school writing competitions and, you know, I won a few and everything. And and yeah, so, I mean, it started really young. I would have teachers say, um, and th- this isn't a brag session. I'm not bragging, or, you know, but teachers would actually accuse me of plagiarism. Oh, did you, did you copy it if it was poetry or whatever? Be honest. Did you, in, in front of the class, I'm like, come on now. You know, <laughs> did you copy this? Or, you know, be honest, be honest. I'm like, no, I didn't really. I just really enjoyed writing. So, and I did well, you know, from an early age. Um, later on, I, you know, in life, I, it kind of fell by the wayside because I, you know, this is kind of a lesson and, and, kind of giving into the naysayers and you, you read these articles and, and other people's gripe sessions about, Oh, it doesn't pay enough money. You don't can't do anything with writing. You know, it's, it's not a worthwhile pursuit, you know, and it kind of, you know, got to me. And after a while I just set it aside, uh, it's not worth bothering with, you know, adulting kind of took over and, and, you know, it fell away and, you know, maybe probably about eight years ago, I started toying around with a, Book. So, so Narcissus is actually technically my third book I've written. So I've written two novels um, that are right now unpublished. So the first one, you know, that in this one I'm speaking of, it was called Stimulus, you know, back in like 2015. Started writing it. It took me a couple years. Um, and I had some representation for that, but it ended up going into a rewrite and I just kind of burn out on it, you know, and, and set it aside uh, for a sort of a sci-fi horror novel um, that I really had been wanting to write. And so I gained new representation and, and actually I'm finalizing edits on that one now. So hopefully with any luck, you know, I'll find a home for that um, in the near future. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't even know if I'm getting to the point of the, the question right now, but I'm just it's giving perfect. you sort of a rundown on everything here. Um but yeah, Narcissus, you know, I wrote that one relatively quickly, you know, over a couple of months and um, I just really enjoyed it and got into it, you know, got in, got out. And so, yeah, I, I was kind of pleased with the way it came out. So and I'm glad it's, it's been so well received. Um, but yeah, I guess back to the original question, you know, where does my inspiration come from? I, when I was younger, I read a lot of, and still, you know, like Michael Crichton and, and stuff like that. I, I love like, you know, plausible science fiction, grounded science fiction and things. And the more people read of my other writing, they'll see I like to incorporate a lot of that, like science and technology and, and plausible horrors. You know, I mean, to me, there's nothing more horrific than the plausible. You know, could it really happen? You know, it's not just, yeah. you know, spooky monsters that could never exist in real life. I mean, these are things out there, you know, dealing with genetics or, you know, whatever, you know, you know, military dominance or whatever it might be, you know, just things that could actually happen. To me, that's the scariest stuff. And um, with my new novel that'll be coming out, you'll see a little more of that kind of introduced. But um, and that one's called Body of Water. But um, yeah. So so anyway, it's just a little bit about me and my background. Um, yeah. Was there was there kind of a moment that because you said you know adulting took over, it kind of fell away. Was there some kind of like catalyst to get back into it, or was it just like? 
you missed it or something like that? What, what pushed you to get, get back on the, on the horse? I, I missed it. You know, for a while, um, I pursued professional aspirations, you know, with my primary career, which is in cybersecurity and stuff. And, you know, I enjoy it well enough as a job, but when you're chasing certain positions just for the money or whatever, and you know, you're not really using your true passions or your creative um, talents, you know, and that's just something you're inclined to, you know, or you're drawn toward or you gravitate more toward eventually gravity takes over and pulls you the rest of the way in that direction. I think that's kind of what happened with me. I kind of circled back around to that and said, this is my true calling that this is where I really feel life leading me. You know, this is where I'm going to find the most fulfillment is in writing. So, um, I mean, ideally someday I'd love to do a full time, you know, as a full time job. Yeah. And until then, you know, it'll be something on the sidelines that I'll do and we'll see how well it goes. But yeah. And I think that's I mean, kind of at the root of it, you know, just it's not all about, you know, the fast money and, and stuff like that. And I think it just takes, you know, maturing a bit in life and, and coming to that realization and saying, you know, I'm going to do what I love. I'm going to chase my dreams and I'm going to stick to my creative passions and, Yep. So I, I can't think of a better reason to do it, my friend, than that. Um, and I will tell you, um, I feel like not enough people um, find a way to uh, um, satisfy that part of them. So I don't do podcasting for a living. Like I'm a corporate trainer. So day on my day, day job, I'm teaching people how to like sell and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and this is a way of satisfying a passion that I don't have as a career and it is infinitely important. Like there was a gap of about a year, year and a half where I wasn't doing it, where it was like you, I felt an absence of something. So I absolutely identify with what you were saying uh, about yeah. that. Um, and you know, like there's not a, there's not a set path on how to get where, you know, to like as an author, people are going to have success in a million different ways. So right. as long as you're writing and satisfying yourself, I think that's like satisfying that passion that's inside of you. I think that's the important part. Yeah, absolutely. And it comes down to, you know, what, what fills your cup. I don't think a lot of people mm -hmm. are fortunate enough to say their day job fills their cup completely. So, <laughs> you know, it's, to be able to scratch that itch and, and find that satisfying thing in life, you know, that's something truly special. Um, I felt fortunate to, to have that. And, you know, yeah. hopefully one day, you know, I can make more of it. It'll become a more full-time thing, but for the time being, I'm really enjoying the journey and I think it as it comes. I, so following that thought a little bit further, um, on my side, I, I, most of the people that are important in my life now are people I met through doing a podcast about books. So let's talk about community. Um, you, your writing and everything. Um, I've seen a lot of people talking about um, this book. Uh, so it's obvious that there's like people in the community that are supporting your work. Do you have um, like contemporary author contemporaries that you're friends with and stuff? Or have you been in the community for a while? Or is this something that you're all kind of new to? Um, so I've been in the community for a little while, mostly on Twitter, you know, and I'm, I'm, kind of a groupie now no, <laughs> the, 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 the horror writers wall um there's some authors that have been really cool um and and just open to communicating you know most times and very supportive you know some of those and, and i don't claim to know that i'm not like tight friends with them or anything um you know, I, I'd love to be someday, you know, but, but in just general <laughs> correspondence and, you know, receiving guidance, you know, like Philip Fracassi and, and Jonathan Jans and Sadie Hartman, she's been awesome. Um, you know, I talked to her here and there and she's been, of course, you know, she's just a staple in the horror community and she's been wonderful. Oh, yeah. She's, uh, yeah, I can't say enough wonderful things about her. <laughs> um, you know, I'm trying to think, man, I don't want to leave anybody out. Uh, <laughs> there's, yeah, I, everybody's just super supportive, you know, just on a daily basis yeah. on there. You know, Ross Jeffrey, um, Clay McLeod Chapman, you know, both of them blurred the book. Laurel Hightower, she blurred it, you know, and I, I met Johnny Compton just over Twitter, you know, correspondence recently, and he was kind enough to blurb the book. So, 
it's a great community and, and I'm, I'm always, you know, meeting new people and making new friends. So. Yeah. 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 I just, uh, I just settled when I'm going to be having Sadie on this podcast, uh, last night, uh, for her, her, her book that she wrote and uh, yeah. I'm talking with Philip now, I'm talking with Philip now about his upcoming book, having him on here. Um, you're in great hands with the people that you've mentioned so far, because I think, you know, in general, those are, are pretty stellar people to, to have supporting you. Absolutely. But I've noticed that in general, the horror community seems to be more of like a very open, happy, welcoming, warm place than uh, maybe other genre communities that I've seen. So if you, even if you don't like strictly identify to a horror genre, if they feel like you're one of theirs, I feel like you're very well supported. I, I feel the same way, and I've noticed that. Um, some other, you know, for example, uh, Sean Cosby, S.A. Cosby, from you know, Black oh my God, and yeah, recently tears and everything. He he hangs out in the community all the time, and and he's you know, it's like he's another horror author, and and you know, um, and I think I, I don't know. He may have written some other horror, you know, short stories and things. He's primarily crime, but you know, he he's he's one of us. You know, he's. He, you know, yeah, it's just like you said, you know, and, and there's several others, you know, I've noted in the community, just they hang out, you know, they're, they're part of the group and the horror community, like you said, though, they're, they're extremely supportive more. So I, and I, I don't know, maybe just because I've hung out in the horror community more so than, you know, thriller or sci-fi or anything. Maybe if I embedded myself more in those communities, I find, you know, a similar dynamic, but I, I really do think it is extra tight in the horror community. Um, everybody has everybody's backs. Um, if you see yeah. anybody get out of line in the, the horror community, I, watch out, you know, here comes the wave. Um, yeah. 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 So, they scramble to take care of problems. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's cool, man. It's definitely like a very family, family, like uh, very super supportive dynamic going on there. So, yeah, yeah. I, I was talking to Brian Keen um, yeah. a while back about we, I did a podcast with him about, him and, and Michael Wilson from This Is Horror, we did a we did an episode of a podcast where we talked about interviewing people. So like that was the topic. But in conversation, that dude was talking about how like kind of the um the high ups in the horror community or the established people or the people that had been there for a while, mm-hmm. kind of like maybe informally take the new people under their wing. Like there's like kind of an unspoken mentorship, like mentor mentee relationship or like a kind of thing where like, Hey, you're new. Let's, let's, you know, let's make sure that, you know, you know, what's going on. You've got support and everything. So Mm -hmm. I'd never heard of that before, but Keen was saying that. And like that dude, um, that dude is just, you know, a, you know, a pillar in the, in the community. So I was never heard that about any other genre. So um, yeah, I've, I've always just heard, heard and seen the best things in this community so yeah definitely um without a doubt it's a nice it's a nice place to be (laughs) it is yeah a a friendly neighborhood speaking of brian key yeah i'm I'm hoping to get get a seat maybe at AuthorCon, and i don't know if you've been to that in in williamsburg um the scares that care author con yeah so that so i so it brought that to mind yeah. yeah, I'm um I'm a Midwest guy. Uh so I that is that's always an East Coast thing, right? It is. It's it's in Williamsburg, which um, is just a stone's throw away yeah. from where I am. I'm in Chesapeake, Virginia, so that's about oh, okay. forty five minutes to an hour away from me. So yeah. Now that yeah. I actually have a book um, to take there, <laughs> so maybe I can get a seat that, at the table. Yeah. That would be yeah. He well, he's a great dude. And um it seems like he really cares about you know, fostering talent and stuff like that. So, um, I, I, I hope you do because it seems like that's another, and then, um, there's a a librarian in Illinois. Her name's Becky Spratford. You've might've heard from her. She does like her Twitter is RA for all, but she's like the, basically like the horror reviewer for like, um, book list and, and stuff like that. Um, And so she does lots of tons of horror reviews. And I think she has some sort of thing to do with the scares that care thing as well. So she would be another person who like, and she's super supportive of, of the um, like the horror community and the individual authors and stuff. She's a 
okay. crazy ally for for getting um, as much exposure for for horror <laughs> authors as possible. So she's an yeah. she's like a one of the best resources um, as far as like you know. Uh, being an author, I think that you could possibly have like her, Sadie, all the people we've talked about. I know we're getting off on a crazy tangent. Yeah, no, 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 you're good. You're good. <laughs> yeah, um, no, that's awesome. I, and yeah. honestly, I, I don't know her. Uh, I, I'll look her up though after this. And yeah. So, yeah, sounds like a, another great contact in the community. Oh, Becky's fantastic. I met her in StokerCon 2017. I was there for my previous podcast. And she was one of the people I interviewed and I was bumping into people, you know, it was on the Queen Mary boat and everything. And I was bumping into people and they're like, oh, who are you interviewing? And I, when I'd said her name, they're like, oh, you're talking to the librarian. And like, they got all excited <laughs> and everything. So <laughs> she's the librarian, but the librarian. I think in the, in the, in the horror world, she actually has, I think the title of horror maven. So like, she's like the established horror aficionado of, oh, wow. of, of libraries. And you know, so it's kind of, a <laughs> but she's an awesome person. So yeah. anyway, um, the community is great. Um, it's, and I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're getting, uh, the sports that you are, but like, man, yeah, I think that it's a great, it's a great group of people to be involved with. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So back to the book. Um, I, I always worry about, just spoiling things. So there's obviously places I don't want to go talking about that. Um, I will say in general that um, I feel like it's not a spoiler to say that I really enjoyed the ending because like, I feel like sometimes in a book, oftentimes in a book, when the writer builds their story, they structure a story. It kind of leads to an inevitable outcome Mm -hmm. and whether the ending kind of matches where I feel the story is going or not, um, can have an impact on how I feel about it. But I feel like the way that you ended the story was very good. It was very good. Um, I guess, yeah, it's tough to say without spoiling stuff, but um, it is tough. Yeah. It's, yeah. We could try to dance around was it. There, here, here, I'll, I'll say, I'll there. say this. I, I was hoping I, I didn't let anybody down. I was kind of curious about that. I've got such positive feedback so far. I feel a little better. I, I can breathe a breath of uh, relief now because I was like, uh, I don't know how this will be received. You know, will it be like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I didn't want that kind of reaction. Is that it? Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, no, it's so, so it's far so good. good. Yeah. And I'm sure so, I'll get uh, there's a few turds in the mix, you know, <laughs> the, the reviews always, you know, that's fine. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but predominantly totally. it's, it's, feedback's been positive. So, well, one of the things I saw you mention on social media was how something that's important to you is like getting it all right. So what you just said about yeah. like trying not to like, so uh, when you said that I had finished reading the book already. So I was like trying to think in my head, did he miss anything? Were there any inconsistencies? I can't think of any. So um, uh, if there were, you don't said tell that, me. that was, I can't, I can't handle no. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause it's out there. There's no taking it back. Right. <laughs> Um, so what's that about? Like, um, is that something that grows from, um, frustration from other stories or is it just like a personal, like, um, expectation of yourself? I I think it's just an expectation of myself. So, so, you know, I have ADHD. Um, a part of that is, uh, you know, a sort of hyper-focus on a subject. So if I get into it, I've got to know everything about it and I'll, I'll, obsess over it until I, I know there everything there is to know about it. And so I kind of apply that. And when we're talking about what compels me to write, I, I feel like it's sort of a, a way to channel that. Um, so I think it's probably, it probably stems from that. It has to be right. You know, if, yeah. if especially, you know, if I'm getting into the science or technology of something, it has to make sense. It has to be right. Um, I've had people tell me before, like, ah, nobody ever left a, a movie, you know, saying, oh, it wasn't that great, but at least there weren't any plot holes, you know, <laughs> I, that might be an extreme <laughs> way of looking at it, but I, you know, I, there can't be any plot holes to me. That's not acceptable. There can't be like a, you know, the film I watched, um, Tenet, you know, and I couldn't help but sitting through the, the entire thing saying, 
but no, that, that, that can't be because they said this and like, <laughs> and I will pick something to death, you know? And yeah. So, yeah. And, and with my writing, I'm kind of just the same way. I, I can't let it lie without it making sense. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just a, yeah. Myself and, and when I'm reading other, honestly, I'm more, I'm more picky, more particular about books. I'm, I'm sorry, movies than I am books. So if I'm reading somebody's book, for whatever reason, I'm not as particular about it. I'm particular about my own work, but other authors work. I, I don't, I won't pick it apart, but a film, maybe it's something with the visual aspect of it. I'll, I'll mm -hmm. it like, I, I can't, I can't deal with the plot holes. So, yeah. I had that problem with the movie Joker, the Joaquin Phoenix movie Joker, where that was very structurally told where, um, uh, the only time that something happened, it meant this. And so like throughout the movie, I can't remember exactly. It's been a long time since I've been angry about this. Um, but like throughout the movie, I'm using that as like my guide of like, this is real. This is like a hallucination or, or an imagination or something like because of this scene in the beginning that implied that this, this type of thing was, was in his imagination. It wasn't real. Mm -hmm. And then it happened again the same way. And I was like, okay, they established a rule when this type of thing is happening. It's not real. It's his imagination. And then the ending doesn't honor that. And it just fucking drove me nuts. I was like, I cannot, <laughs> I, can't, I cannot respect this movie because like, and it makes you mad. If, it's like, how did this, yeah, it's it? like, there, it's how like many you told me what to think. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's like you told me what to think and then right. and then you betrayed me following yeah. that rule. Like, yeah, it's it's very so I definitely know what you're saying about that. But now with you holding yourself accountable in your own writing, is there like a a process that you go through to like hold yourself accountable? Like, what does that look like? Do you reread a bunch? Do you have like uh, yeah. you know, people read and feedback? I, yeah, I don't really have any beta readers or, or anything. I just kind of, even my wife, you know, I don't like her to read it you know, until it's final. Something about that. I, I don't know if it's a superstition yeah. type of thing, but I, it's, mm -hmm. it's got to be, maybe it's a part of that perfectionistic side of myself, you know, with my writing. You know, it's got to be right. It's got to be right for anybody who looks at it. So I, I think I just read it to death. I'll just reread and reread and, you know. Inevitably, and like question yourself. Yeah, inevitably, inevitably, something will pass through the net, and you know, <laughs> you know, and, and I'll have to capture it later. But um, there's always yeah. a change to be made. But yeah, I think I, I don't, I don't know if there's, you know, a real process more than just reading it to death and just trying to capture everything. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It sounded like it was something that was very internal, and you validated that that's kind of the case. Like it's like you just. Yeah, kind of almost obsess obsess over it. it. Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> and some people, and more power to them. You know, when they write something, they say, "Ah, good enough." You know, and they move on. <laughs> just, ah, I'll, I'll pick it to death to the point of yeah. absurdity. So sometimes I just have to sit back and say, "It's done. It's done." Okay. I'll well, to it. your credit, I think you wrote a really solid story. Um, and so, and, and I, in reflection, thinking about it back, because I'm a very particular person. Like I will, in the middle of watching a TV show, I'll be like, I'll pause it and I'll say to my girlfriend, do you know why that person's wearing that shirt? And yeah. I'll be like, it's because they're trying to portray this type of characteristic without actually going into a whole thing. Like I break apart stories all the time. So uh, I'm not <laughs> saying that like I'm the, I'm not saying I'm the ultimate filter, but like if it got through with, through me, yeah, then it's probably good. a good indication. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, that does and so let me ask you though when you when you do this stuff in movies does your does does your wife get irritated with you does she say can you just watch the movie can you because I, I catch that you know, she's like can you just stop let's just watch the movie enjoy the movie <laughs> yeah sometimes like I feel like when I get that way for myself um, it's like a passion that is not often seen from me so it's kind of amusing or like cool yeah. Other times it's just like, it's annoying. It's like, just try and just try and enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, final thought about the book. Um, and I'm prefacing, this could be a, a very valid answer to this is that you just want someone to have a, a fun reading experience. But like, yeah. was there kind of any overall goal of like, of what you'd like people to walk away with from this? Or again, fun reading experiences, 
hundred percent a valid response to that. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I think that's all it was. I just wanted it to be a fun reading experience and something a little bit original. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. <laughs> just Good. I wanted Good. it to be entertaining, you know, um, nothing too heavy, and you know, people can take away from it what they will. Um, there are no right answers or wrong answers, and uh, yeah, so. I definitely feel like it's got a, a cinematic quality to it. So yeah. like you said, you imagined it um, a little bit that way. Um, I, obviously I would, I would say that it's a pretty cinematically adaptable thing, but there's also just like, it's a, there's a type of story that because it reads that way, it's more enjoyable. So like, that's kind of a recommendation to anybody listening to this is like, if you like that type of thing that, carries itself very cinematically like i think this story would satisfy that kind of that kind of reader yeah you know and and if so that's awesome because that's the way I, I wrote it you know like I, I i could just see it playing in my head i was writing it so that's kind of what i was going for um hopefully others see it that way and yeah yeah like very visual earlier, you know, yeah. with, with any luck you know that'll happen one day and be cool yeah. um s- Sorry, were you going to say something more? No, 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 you're good. Okay. So you mentioned before uh, a book that, uh, like you'd written two other books and one of them sounds like it's ready. Is that being shopped around or is that something that's already being planned somewhere? Not yet, not yet. So that's um, going through edits between my agent and myself. Um, So I recently landed her representation just maybe a month or two ago, honestly. So this is going through the first round of edits with her, her recommendations on how to kind of shape it up, you know, some slight changes we can make. So um, I'm going through that right now. And I'd say more about the book, but I don't really want to give the plot up because it's a totally, I've, I've never seen it in film or television. So, so I don't really want to give the concept up yet, but I'm pretty excited about it. And I I hope everybody else is as well when this finally comes out, but no, it's, it's not been shopped yet. I'm looking forward to when we can and hopefully sooner rather than later, but yeah, I think that's awesome. That's yeah. That's one of the things as, as a podcaster interviews people that was always like, kind of felt guilty doing is like, you're here to talk about the thing that's being released now. And I'm like, what's next? So it's always kind of like a, I feel like a dummy asking that question, but like, yeah, no, for it's, me, it's, I, I, I read the thing. So now I want another thing. So that's, yeah, that's no, it's from. totally fine. <laughs> Man, I've got plenty of short stories. Yeah. Maybe I'll, there'll be a collection coming out at some point. Um, you know, I've, I've published a few others, as you mentioned, a couple magazines and anthology from flame tree recently. So if anybody, you know, for any of the listeners, if they want to check that out, that's uh, the compelling science fiction anthology that was just released. Mm-hmm. I want to say in December. Um, and that includes my story season of change, which uh, it's a bit different. Um, th- that one was, is actually still being, that's being shot for adaptation um, as well as another story that's currently unpublished. Um, with considerable interest in both of those. So nothing surefire yet, but um, definitely exciting. You know, some of the levels of interest that, that have been expressed toward those. So if anybody's interested, Season of Change is in that, that anthology, compelling science fiction. So very cool. Yeah. And I'll share that with you um, if you're interested in reading it. So 100%. Totally. <laughs> oh, and, and um, something else you mentioned earlier about it, it reminded me, you know, the book you were, you were recommending talking about the 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 shark you know eating memories and everything and until there's nothing left of the individual um it, it reminds yeah. me of another story i wrote they might be up your alley so i'll shoot that your way but um oh, absolutely i'm happy to yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> happy to i'm happy to to get those inside things that other people don't yeah, have access I mean, to <laughs> yeah so not many people have read that story and i was like yeah that, that kind of rings a bell you know it's, it sounds similar to that one it, it's actually similar to um i don't know if you've read read Blake Crouch, any of his stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I've so, read um, Dark Matter and Recursion and Upgrade. Okay, yeah, because I read Dark Matter and I had started Recursion, but I wrote this story I was talking about actually prior to reading Recursion. And when I started reading Recursion, I was like, this is kind of similar. If somebody didn't know better, they might think I kind of picky. So I was a little bummed. I was oh, like, nice. oh man, I thought it was completely original, but. 
yeah so anyway kind of cool but nice uh so outside of um your writing career the other thing that you had talked about was like working in cybersecurity. So I'm really interested in this. And before we started recording, I was talking about how I'd speak into, spoken to Alma Katsu a little bit, who worked in intelligence and mm-hmm. now has a great career in um, historical horror. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I thought of another example and I can't remember it now, but anyway, um, uh, that's a whole different thing, but it sounds like that's been a career for a long time. So where does, where does that come from? Like, uh, did you, did you study that in, in, you know, in school and stuff and then go into a career in that or where, what's, what's your story with that? Yeah. So, so that was sort of an evolution that took place. And I, I did four years in the U S air force, um, from 2000, 2004. <clears throat> and at that time I trained, you know, as an IT specialist. Um, so I, I, worked as a systems administrator and systems engineer for I guess about 10 years or so before a colleague of mine had transitioned over into cybersecurity and specifically cybersecurity risk management for the Department of Defense. Um, So we don't do like the technical in implementing the uh, intrusion detection systems and things like that, but we go in as essentially cybersecurity compliance auditors and we abide by uh, a framework of controls and regulations, policies, procedures uh, that the government has to adhere to, to remain operational and process, uh, you know, from unclassified to top secret information on these networks. So it's all about, you know, ensuring these compliance mandates are in place to um, remain operational and, you know, with a minimal amount of risk. Um, So that's really what I do up till today. So, uh, um, yeah, I work for the U.S. Navy. I'm a government employee, um, and and yeah, so so that's it's kind of the gist of it. I work more, so I guess you could say the more administrative side of cybersecurity. So you know, with regard to these compliance regulations and policies and everything, so I help draft the policies and kind of vet them for approval. Um, brief leadership on on risk metrics, um, you know, associated with these different systems. And when I say systems, this could be, you know, from standard business systems to ship systems, industrial control systems that control, you know, fuel and oil and stuff like that. So those really are, are that's a big part of, you know, what I specialize in at this particular command. I work at Military Sealift Command. Um, that's a big deal these days is, you know, because these industrial control systems, when they were first built years ago, cybersecurity wasn't even a thing. It wasn't even thought of. It was, it's an afterthought now where all these um, new technologies are, they're attempting to bolt these things onto these, these archaic systems and they just don't quite fit, you know? And so you've got a lot of systems that, I mean, it's common knowledge. I'm not divulging any secrets here by talking about it. They're just relatively <laughs> So, so we are doing our best to kind of nail these things down and, and operate with a minimal degree of risk. So, um, yeah. And as we kind of learn more about cybersecurity and advance forward, you know, they're starting to develop, they, they, they bake them into the, the, the development process of these systems. So it's more at the forefront of concept and design than it used to be. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's very exciting stuff, but <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my job. That's my day to day. Well, a it sounds like it's important and and um, very necessary for the security of our country. So, I will always be uh, you know um, a supporter of that. Uh, kind of randomly, so there's a podcast that I listen to called Cyber Work, um, and their whole thing is like uh, the guy that's the host interviews people in like that realm about stuff, and I'd never understand any of it. But um, it's a person I know. I know the host kind of through through someone. Mm-hmm. So he was listening to my podcast. I started listening to him, but I was recently listening to something where um, the person was talking about how um, like a lot of the, the safety and stuff like you were saying kind of came after the fact. And now people are working more on like the stuff that's made is like made with security built in instead of like kind of being a reaction. Is, is that kind of like, I know I, I said it very ham handedly, but no, no, it made me think of this. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So like uh that sounds like it's kind of a newer thing, at least um on like a 
like at a domestic level. Um, but it sounded really important. Like, and it sounded like it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, we've had this stuff for a long time. And back in the day, like, um, Mm -hmm. the threats that exist now couldn't even be conceived of then, but now we're trying to like be more proactive or at least not reactive. Is that the case? Yes, absolutely. Cool. Um, well, that's, (laughs) it sounds to a person who doesn't understand it at all. It sounds like it's like a really important, uh, really important thing that we, we definitely need. So, um, I think that's awesome. It's definitely, it's definitely needed and it's not the most exciting field, you know, for, for anybody who's, who's not a nerd about this sort of thing, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of, you know, legal and regulatory requirements and stuff. And so, um, yeah, it's some tedious reading and and research, but at the end of the day, it's, it's well worth it. You know, it's, it's definitely necessary because, you know, as you were just covering, uh, things used to be more reactive um, rather than proactive. And unfortunately, we're starting to shift more in the proactive direction. So the more we do that, the better off we'll be. And so, yeah. And, I, and you know, sort of delving into some, some more recent discussions, you know, as far as like AI is concerned, artificial intelligence and, you know, you, you know, the, the discourse recently, yeah. you know, regarding writing and, you know, how, how it's being leveraged, chat GPT and GPT-4 and stuff is being leveraged toward, writing novels and stories and stuff and publishers have had issues with um, submissions being generated by AI and submitted you know, for consideration. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, I, and I don't know if I'm going to catch backlash from the community for this, but you know, I'm not advocating for that at all. I think that's, that's absurd. Um, but that's, you know, to a degree that's, that's misappropriation of the, the utility. Um, I think it's getting a bad rap kind of because of that sort of thing happening, but I think there's a lot of positive, um, uses for AI, uh, towards cybersecurity. Um, because I know the, uh, it's got pluses and minuses. You know, I know it's going to be a, a new threat vector. Um, it's going to be a tool that's going to be leveraged toward developing advanced um, viruses that morph, um, you know, to remain undetectable, much as a biological virus would. And so, I, and I think they to right. be at the forefront and get ahead of that misuse of that technology. I think we need to adopt ways um, to use it to our advantage, develop tools to counter that stuff and so to me I'd, I'd love to find ways to start integrating that into government defense solutions uh, with cybersecurity. use the most advanced tools like to yeah. your advantage yeah Absolutely. like and i think a lot of people are shying um, away from it because they're scared of it you know they think oh science you know uh, skynet you know and stuff like that you know yep. it's, yeah yeah um yeah so there's some so, scary stuff. There is some scary stuff with it, you know. And I do think Skynet. <laughs> when I'm, I'm reading articles yeah. and, and and you know watching videos on this stuff, and it's it's pretty freaky, you know, some of the things they're doing. But um, I think there's some problems. Well, there. that that podcast that I mentioned before, Cyberwork, that I was I listened to one where the person who talked a lot about like Chat GPT like things, and um, the positive side that they spun was, uh, let's say I have to write. Uh, you know, I have to write something and I have to use like these five different articles or pieces of information to reference mm-hmm. using like a chat CPT type of thing to summarize yes. those five things. And then taking that information and synthesizing it into the thing that I write is a time saver because I'm not going through and summarizing all five of those things and then using that information. I'm using the machine to get to the point so that I can get to my point quicker so like they're yeah like they kind of did say um eventually what will play out most likely is we're gonna find good use cases that are gonna outweigh you know some somebody trying to write a novel using yeah. it and then just like gunking up the system so yeah they're also going to build in ways to identify to fingerprint stuff like that so that mm-hmm. it's easier to identify and um and like deal with than than maybe what we have right now but yeah i've seen um there was a spike of uh published publications that were like you know um 
AI generated submissions are just out of control right now. So I got to imagine that if you're a publisher right now, it's something where it's like, this is a new headache I didn't have six months ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I can only imagine, you know, being on that end, you know, and, and I know actually Alan is shortwave. He's going to be speaking through a, you know, a, a virtual conference at um, StokerCon about this very subject. So I'll be looking forward to listening in on that and for everybody else's awareness, if they're interested in that sort of thing, they can tune in yeah. to that. Um, but yeah, you know, so I've, I've seen like, uh, Clark's world, you know, they had to shut their submissions down for a while, you know, with that specific message up there saying due to the, uh, influx of AI you know, generated submissions, we had to shut down, you know, yep. the submission window for now while we sort through these. And so it's, 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 I can imagine, you know, the headaches that that's causing on their end. I can also yeah. imagine the majority of those submissions aren't very good. So I, I can't, I can't <laughs> imagine AI writing a very compelling story. It, it's probably pretty rudimentary. Um, probably nonsense. But then you just develop AI that identifies it, and then you use that to weed yeah. out the BS, and then like, yeah, and then yeah. we're back to square one. So. Right, right. <laughs> so. Yeah, but all, all um, kidding aside, I can, I can definitely see that happening. You know, something that goes in and, and intelligently – sifts through these things, you know, based on um, yep. pattern recognition and, and stuff like that and, and how this stuff is written. So, yeah, if you know how something's coded, you know, the type mm -hmm. of thing it's going to output. And then yeah. based on that, you can yeah. program something to identify that I'm guessing. Yeah. I know I'm being overly simple and it's totally not something that I have any knowledge of, but yeah. it's kind of the, no, I mean, but it's just true. It's true. There's no telling where any of this stuff will go. I saw my wife the other <laughs> night. I said, I'm waiting for somebody to develop a tool that predicts, you know, uh, the stock market you know, based on historical performance, yeah. predict the, you know, future traje trajectory of stocks. And it's, it's coming. I know it's coming. You know, you're going to start seeing this in the news. Yep. So, and it's like total control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so back to, to your, your job and your work. So the first thing that I think of um, when you were talking about how, so this is, there's a lot of emerging technologies. There's a lot of new stuff all the time it has to take a lot of learning on your part. So that's the first part of my observation. The second part is how do you have time to do fun stuff like read? <laughs> oh man. So I read at night. Um, I get a few pages before I fall asleep. <laughs> and uh, I'm not a voracious reader. Like, like a lot of people in the community, you know, they put me to shame, but I read when I can. Um, you know, and, and honestly it is at night, you know, as I'm laying in bed, you know, uh, I'm, I'm ashamed to say I've, I've never read the stand and uh, I'm reading that right now. So that's, that's a book I'm reading. Um, I'm also reading yeah. Jurassic Park. I, I've, as much as I love Crichton, I've never read Jurassic Park. So I picked that one up and I'm really enjoying it. So I'm reading both those books now, but so here and there, yeah. I fit them. I'm no Sadie Hartman or, or Stephen King or anybody just throwing these things back. So, <laughs> but I do what I can. Sadie. Yeah. Sadie reads like 150 books a year, and that's just. I don't get it. I don't get how mind boggling possible, but. Yeah. Well, um, I, I talked to Cassandra Ka recently, mm -hmm. and uh, for their upcoming book, uh, The Salt Grows Heavy. Yeah. One of the things that they said that I thought was great was like, uh, and I'm not going to get the quote right, but essentially, more or less, the idea was, you know, um, it's okay to not know everything to like not have experienced everything and not have done everything. And especially with books, like I learned early on as a book reviewer that like nine times out of 10, when I'm interviewing someone, they're going to be like, did you read this? And my answer is going to be no, because there's so much that there's no way that you can have done it all. So like, yeah, it's a big, big weight better. off your shoulder. What's yeah. that? I said, that makes me feel better because I'm finding myself doing that probably nine times out of 10, you know, and I'm thinking, I haven't read that. You know, everybody's like, oh, yeah. yeah like nobody, sh <laughs> nobody should feel bad about the stuff they haven't read because like, there's no way to get it all. It's, it's, it's impossible. It's a, it's a so pursuit much. that no one has perfected. You can read it. You could read 24 hours a day. You're never going to get to every, you're still going to have, you're going to still going to answer no. So um, yeah. yeah, it's comforting to me that we all are in the same boat with that one. Yeah, yeah. So. Before we wrap up, I'm just going to hit you with kind of one other thing. You mentioned a couple of things that you're reading now. We talked about the community and everything. Is there anything, um, either a book that you really love that you think people should check out or something that you've heard about that you're looking forward to coming out soon that you'd want to talk about a little bit? Man, 
put me on the spot. No, I'm joking. I know. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I'm trying to think. I, honestly, a book that that really stuck with me a while after I read it was Dark Matter. I, I just I really love that book, and I push that anytime I can. Um, by Blake yeah. Blake's Blake's in Chicago working on that TV show right now, so that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, um, yeah. I'll second that. That's a great fucking book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it's right up my alley too because you know, I, uh, as I mentioned, I, I'm all about the plausible science and you know, technology and the physics and stuff, theoretical physics, and it is it's fascinating. So I really enjoyed it, as well as recursion. It's got a lot of that in there too. Yeah, but um, so as far as books, I'm I'm really looking forward to. Whale Fall by Daniel Krauss. I'm I'm really looking forward to reading that one. So uh, that's yeah, probably I've seen incredible. Yeah, reviews yeah, about that that's so that's probably at the top of my list of books I'm looking forward to right now. That and um, all the Sinners Bleed by S. A. Cosby. Yeah, Sean. Yeah, yeah. Really enjoyed his prior work. And, <laughs> yep. So. He he's but a great dude too. Things. Like yeah, yeah. Both both of those guys. I haven't met Daniel, but um, he he'll be if as long as nothing changes joining me in a, in a couple months for whale fall to talk about that. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm very excited about that myself. I have, I have the burden of like, all like you can't see it. Um, but my wall in front of me has just post-its all over it with like books, authors, dates and stuff like that. So I'm just, just thirstily looking at my wall thinking like, Oh, there's so much stuff I wish I was reading right now. And I, yeah. you know, I have to wait. <laughs> so, right. Right. Um, but yeah, both of those very much, uh, very much looking forward to those. Yeah. Um, well, I, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for, for your time and thanks for um, letting me be your first kind of experience as a podcast guest. So I really appreciate that. Hopefully it was an okay experience for you. Yeah, it was, it was great. <laughs> I, I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking forward to uh, whatever comes comes next because I really enjoyed Narcissus. And I think everybody uh, is, is going to agree with me on that one. So, yeah, um, yeah. Thanks so much. All right, man. Thank you.